Before we uh, move into this morning's message, and uh, Gloria will come up in a little while to uh, share this morning's reading, I just thought it would be good just to spend a moment in prayer for our nation. You know, we're, we're in, a, in a world of extreme change in the United Kingdom, aren't we? I don't, I, I don't remember as much change and instability in all of my lifetime to what our communities are facing um, at this time. The passing of our Queen after 70 years of serving us. And and we've got a King now. I've never had to sing those words, God save the King. Because we, other than when I'm singing to my Heavenly King. And in the midst of that, we've had the turmoil of Russia invading Ukraine and the impact that that's had on our economy and on our government as they try to face what's happening and try to introduce stability. So let's just pray to the one who is stable, the one who is unchanging, the one who holds everything in his hands and in whom we have hope. So Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we, we cry out for our nation, Lord, that, they, that you would bring wisdom, that you would bring clarity of thought for our leaders, that you would enable Charles to reign and rule effectively over us as king, that you would give government stability as they seek to lead us through this period of crisis. And so we thank you that we have a hope in one whose name is Jesus. And we just pray in his lovely name, Lord, that you would go out to the uttermost corners of this nation and bring your peace as you work through each one of us and take us to those divine appointments you have for each one this week. Amen. Gloria, if you'd come and uh, bring this morning's reading for us. It's in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, if you've got your Bibles with you. Luke 24, 13. Good morning. Um, On the road to Emmaus, now the same day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was 
the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And the beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what, he, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on his on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burned within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two, then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he spoke, when he broke the bread. Thank you, Gloria. Now, we've been doing a series since the, the term, say term, since September, looking at growing and going. And uh, this is just a, a build-on to that. This, this series that we're now moving into is looking at what we're calling everyday practices. So what does that look like? What does growing and going look like for us as individuals and us as a church? Now, I don't know about you, but my initial thoughts on this text this morning is, how did the disciples, who had spent three years walking with Jesus, walk with him on the road yet they don't recognise him. They have this conversation with him as they walk and as they talk, but they didn't recognise him. It doesn't tell us, does it? Other than it wasn't Jesus' time to reveal himself until the moment that he did. So how they didn't recognise him, I don't know. Maybe it was their grief. Maybe it was their disbelief at what had happened. They'd spent three years with Jesus, who they saw as the Messiah, the one who was coming to bring freedom to his people. And he had been crucified on the Friday. 
I want to ask you, are there events in your lives, are there circumstances in your lives that sometimes blind you to the presence of Jesus walking alongside you? He's there, but you don't recognise or sense his presence. You don't feel that he's there with you. You see, these disciples walked with Jesus, and as they're walking, they get to hear and to feel. Jesus gets to hear and feel the sense and the level of disappointment that those two disciples had. They were broken. They said to him, are you the only visitor that doesn't know what's happened? And then Jesus engages them. As they share bits, he engages and he shares from scripture that the Messiah has to suffer. He opens up God's word to them. And Jesus has compassion and lets them say what they want to say. I believe that's true for us. I I, I met up with a friend in the week and I actually found out that he's an ex-boss of mine and I actually found out that his dad is a retired minister and his dad's written memoirs and that in those memoirs there's one thing that his dad says he wished he'd done more of as a minister and that was to preach on the Psalms. And then he goes on to explain that the reason he wished he'd preached more on the Psalms was they're earthly. It's where life is done. If you read the Psalms, it's not all hunky-dory and and rosy and great. Sometimes the psalmist is in the grip of anxiety, of fear, of depression, of not knowing what's going to happen to them. Yet, they seek solace and comfort in the fact that God is there and that he's in control. As Jesus walked with these men and he talked with them after he had revealed himself as he broke bread as Jesus broke bread suddenly the scales were lifted from their eyes and they saw at once who Jesus was. And in that moment it tells us that Jesus then disappeared. Now we We don't know why, other than maybe it wasn't his moment to stay with them a little bit longer and he needed to to go elsewhere. But he disappeared. But they then started to talk about, didn't our hearts burn as he shared with us? See, even though they didn't recognise who he was, as he was speaking to them, as he was unpacking his word, as he was unpacking scripture, their hearts burnt within. They felt God's passion rising up on the inside. And Jesus wants to do that in our lives too. He wants to speak his word into our lives so that our hearts burn, that they burn with his love and his compassion. So what does this very brief encounter say on the subject of us being with Jesus. Well, there's three things I want to highlight about Jesus first before I look at us. 
The first one is that Jesus wants to walk with you. He wanted to walk with those disciples. And he wants to walk with you. Wherever you might go. He doesn't just want to be with you on a Sunday morning. He wants to be with you on a Monday when it's tough in the office or it's tough in the class or it's tough on the school gates when you're dropping the children off. He wants you to invite him to join you wherever you go. He wants to be involved in your daily living. And I suppose the first question I've got on the back end of that is will you invite him to walk around with you wherever you might be this week? Will you allow him to speak into your life and into others' lives as you allow him to minister through you to others. The second thing is that Jesus wants to be involved in our conversations. The two disciples were already engaged in in deep conversation and Jesus joins them on the road and he listens and he hears and then he shares. He asks them, why are you so down? And they're amazed, why don't you know? The reality is that Jesus knows what's going on in our lives, but he doesn't want to push himself in. He wants you to invite him into your conversations. Will you invite him into your conversations this week as you listen to others and as you share the hope that you have with others this week? The third thing is that Jesus broke bread with the disciples. He wants to meet around the table. He wants to meet us around the table. That could be the communion table we've got here this morning. That could be our tables at home as we eat together. Jesus wants to be in the midst of us as we share food and as we eat. Will you invite him to be at your table? And more importantly, will you invite others to come to your table to share in the food and to share in the communion with Jesus? So what about us this morning? I believe that God created each one of us here for a relationship with him. That's our first and foremost primary purpose, is to have a relationship with the Creator God. We were created for intimacy with the Father. We were created for intimacy with the Son. We were created for intimacy with His Holy Spirit. And Jesus came to earth as a man to show us how this intimacy was designed. He longed to do His Father's will and to be obedient in all that he did. Jesus was intimate in his relationship with his Father and through that relationship he was willing to go to his death and resurrection so that he could open the doorway for our intimacy with both himself and with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. So God created us for a relationship with himself. He also created us to be free within the parameters of his love. We have been created to be free in his love. His desire is that you would recognise that his love that he has for you is so deep, so pure, 
so strong and so wide that he just wants you to jump into his love in your freedom. He wants you to revel in it. He wants you to party in it. That's why I said to the the children earlier, we have to come as children excited and lively and wanting to hold our God's hand. You see, when we know who God is, when we know who is, what his love is like, he transforms our hearts with that love so that we are then able to love each other and to love those outside. God transforms our hearts with his love. Adam and Eve before the fall, had a very intimate walk with God in the garden each and every day. They were the original design, designed for intimacy, the same way we were. But we know they rebelled and that intimacy was cut off. And so Jesus comes and he stands in the gap for us to reconnect us with himself and with his Father, inviting us to the table inviting us into intimate presence. Thirdly, Jesus works for us. Will you hear that? Jesus works for us. He never stops working. We have that song, don't we? Even when I don't see that you're working, you're at it, you're doing it, you're doing the stuff I can't see. Jesus is working on each and every one of us. When we spend time with our family, We've come to resemble them. When I spend time with my mum and with my father and with my siblings, I come to be a bit like them. They rub off on me and I become like them. And we've been invited into God's family. And we're invited to meet with Jesus, to become like him, to allow him to show us what he's like, who he is, and so that we can resemble him. You see, we resemble those that we are close to. And it's Jesus' desire that we look like him as we walk. That's not physically look, that's character. That's who we are. That's how we made. His last commands were clear, weren't they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength and with all your mind. Basically, with everything that you've got, love God. Why? Because if you love God that way, and you receive his love in return, he will give you the ability to love those around you. And the second part of his command was, love each other as I have loved you. Loving God sometimes is quite easy, isn't it? Because it's kind of out there. It's esoterical. It's not... He's not here. He's not somebody like, he's not hurting me. I always thought, you know, when my children, when they were younger, were deliberately disobeying, I didn't like it. And in fact, when I was disciplining them, they didn't like it. But within that, I knew they loved me, even though they were trying the boundaries. And I loved them in spite of what they were doing. And God calls us sometimes to love those that he puts us into families with. It's true, isn't it? We don't choose our families, we get born into them. 
And that's true in the family of God. We're born into the family of God when we make a commitment to follow Jesus. And Jesus wants us to love each other, not in our own strength, but through his strength, and in the same way that he loved us, despite the fact that it was us that caused him to go to the cross. He still loved us unconditionally and perfectly, and he says, love each other as I have loved you. It's this love that should motivate us to serve each other, to serve one another, rather than being served. I find it interesting to look at what goes on in the realms of power in the nation. There's this kind of positioning to have the top place at the table. The disciples were no different. Jesus had to tell them, it's not about your position. It's about how you serve one another. And so we learn that through meeting with Jesus. We become like him. Love is patient. Love is kind. And it does not boast. Characteristics of our Jesus. Loving, patient and full of humility. Fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, forbearance. That means patience, but goes a bit deeper. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. They're not labels that we need to wear as a badge. They describe who Jesus is and they describe who he wants us to be and how he wants us to live as we meet with him and become like him. As we spend time with Jesus and allow him to shape us. He also works on our passions and desires. As we see what's important to Jesus, as we see those things that are close to his heart, as we spend time with him, the things that we held as important, those things that we hold significant, they pale and they go into the background. We become more like him. So, in closing, what do we need to do with all of this? First and foremost, we need to know that Jesus is our creator, he is our sustainer, he's the one that gives life, but more importantly, he wants to be involved in our life. He doesn't just want to give us life. He wants to live it with us. To be with us in all that we do. And it shouldn't be about what can I get from him. But what can I give to him. Because he's given me everything. He gave me his life. He poured out his blood. So that I could be forgiven. So for me there are key responses to to this. It's important to spend time with God. Let me ask you a question. Have you got a hero? Has anyone got a hero at all? Yes? Now, if your hero said to you, you could spend a day with me, what would you do? Would you clear your diary? Would you make it your priority? Would you change everything so you could meet your hero? 
I want to say Jesus should be our number one hero. And he wants to meet with us daily. He clears his diary to meet us daily. Can we clear our diaries to create a rhythm of life that puts a priority on meeting with Jesus each and every day? You see, Jesus invites you to come to him and through him to come to the Father. Not for one day, but for all of your days here on earth and through and into eternity. It's not a future invite, it's an invite here and now. And so will time with God become a priority? Will you meet with Jesus each and every day? John Wesley was a man who had a significant ministry. He taught and he preached throughout the nation. But he spent hours each morning before he met people with God before he started to serve. And he was once challenged, how do you manage it when you've got a really busy day? And he turned around and said, I spend double time with God. You see, for him, his service was not about John Wesley. It was not about starting a movement called the Methodist Church. It was about serving and loving his God. Spending time with Jesus was his focal point. And when he was busy, he didn't squeeze Jesus out. He just gave him more time. Because he knew that he needed Jesus at the centre to be effective. So why would you spend time with Jesus? Because it makes us effective. It gives us the strength to live for today and the power to do what he wants us to do. Jesus is a great pattern for us and what that might look like and I'm going to fly through this really quickly. Throughout the Gospels we see that Jesus withdrew and spent time with his Father alone. He knew he needed time alone with God. We need that time alone. He knew that he needed time with others. He spent three years with his disciples, the twelve and the wider group, the wider community. He knew He needed that. He spent time walking with others, not just those in his discipleship community, but those outside. He healed them from their sicknesses and he cast out demons and he freed them to live a life that was worth living. Jesus spoke into their lives. As he met the crowds, he had compassion on them and he taught them and he fed them. And he invites us to be fed around this table this morning, to receive spiritual feeding. And he wants us to meet with him at home, at work, at school, wherever we might find ourselves, fill in the gap. He wants to meet with us there because there are no limits to his desire to be with you wherever you are. What does that look like for me as an individual? Well, and you as individuals. Wouldn't it be good if we had one pattern and it was a one size fits all? Wouldn't it be good if we could just take it off the shelf and it worked? But God doesn't work that way. What he wants us to do is within our characters, within our natures, within the shape that he's made us, 
He wants us to have a relationship with him first and foremost. And the key elements are spending time with him. We need to be those people that spend time just in quietness, in reflection, maybe at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, to hand it over, what's going on in our minds, what's going on in our hearts, do we feel turmoil in our stomachs? Handing it to him in that moment and saying, I'm going to walk with you, Jesus. And as we listen, that's the start of prayer. Prayer is basically a conversation and quite often we'll go into that with, and we, we just go, blah, blah, blah. I would suggest, first and foremost, sit and be quiet and listen and then start to share what's going on in your hearts. Praise God for who he is. Confess what you've done wrong. Pray for others. Pray for your nation. Pray for government. Pray for your friends, for your family. Pray that God's will will be done here on earth. It would be wrong for me not to mention this book. Read the word every day. We've got so many copies so many different versions. If we, if we find one, we, um, we, we can't cope with the English because it's written in... There's, there's other versions that we can find and we can allow God's work to speak into our hearts. Read it. It's better to read five minutes a day than not to read it at all. If you can spend longer than five minutes, it, it's better. First, read God's word. Study it. I would say that, wouldn't I, as a student minister, study it. That doesn't necessarily mean you're studying it to write an essay or to produce a piece of work. But dig deep to allow God to speak to you for what he's written. This is God's story. It's his story in history. It talks about how he called a man Abraham to start to redeem mankind. It talks about how he then calls a nation, the nation of Israel, to be his people and how he works with them, despite their flagrant disobedience time and time again, how he showers his love upon them and then how he extends that so that he invites everyone into his family through his son Jesus. This book tells us about God's love. It's his love story to us. We're invited to come. We're invited to become authentic as we allow him to change us. One of our, uh, one of our things that we, we believe our cultural values is that our discipleship begins when we become real with God. Remember I mentioned my friend's dad who wished he'd preached more on the Psalms. If you want to know what reality is in life, read through the Psalms. We need to be real with God. And when we get real, we become authentic. And he invites us to spend that time with him. The reality is, you can't hold anything back. You might as well verbalise it, you might as well tell him, because he already knows. He's just waiting for the invite. He's not waiting for you to be perfect. He wants you to come now. As you are, will you come? Will you be real with God right now?
right this moment. Come as you are. Come join me at the table, Jesus says, and remember what I did for you. Come. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful this morning that you have sent Jesus, your son, to dwell amongst us. That he came to show your love and ultimately to bring us back into an intimate relationship with you and himself. We thank you for the wondrous work of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to each one of us. Help each one of us this morning to consider our daily schedules so that we can prioritise meeting with you, Jesus. So that our hearts would burn within us as you open up your word, as you speak life into our lives. Forgive us for those times when we've squeezed you out. And we determine right now to make you our priority this week. To bring you glory as we bring our lives to you. Thank you for your gift of your daily presence as we live in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you will never leave us. And that you will never leave us as you meet with us unchanged. But that we will be transformed a little more to be like you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to come to the table in a moment, but as we do that, we're going to prepare with a song that the band are going to lead us in. um, And then we'll move into our time of communion.